When you're looking back at the Second World War as the good old days, you know you're in deep ration coupons. Korea, deep kimchi. Watts, deep trouble. The kind of trouble based in lies, manipulation, and intimidation at home. Well, stand tall, because this too shall pass, and your path to better times is paved with the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your master of the yellow brick road is Dan Newman. (laughs) I'm going to leave that to the Wizard of Oz. No yellow brick road here. Well, the past is behind us. Yeah, there's no need for us to get lost in the past. As we end this year, this is the last TNN Live show of 2022. Don't look over your shoulder. Don't get upset about bad things that happen. you got to remember this. Often, bad things happen to good people, not because good people did something wrong necessarily. Yeah, there's that reap and sow thing. You know, whatever we throw out in the ground, it's going to grow. And what we throw out in the ground is going to grow, and it's going to grow every time. But just because you make a mistake... Even if you do it premeditatively, that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Make today the best that you can make it today. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the what the past may do to you or the problems it may cause for you. And certainly, don't worry about the future. Plan for the future. That's a big difference from worrying about the future and planning for the future. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Friday's edition of TNN Live, brought to you by Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. We've had a really, really good year here, and it's largely because of you, the people that tune in here, the people that support this by reading our stories and listening to the show every day. I want to reemphasize to you, anytime you miss a show, If you can't catch it live, I get it. Nine o'clock is a really tough hour, especially in a work day, to just go sit somewhere and listen to two hours of me pontificating about mostly political things. I get that. But we give out a lot of information that even if you can get some of it or all of it somewhere else, here, you're not going to get any spin. You're going to get the facts And often we have done enough research to come on, tell you about a story, tell you about a big event, but then give you the factual information about it that you probably, in most cases, don't hear anyone else tell to you. That's why we call this the Truth News Network. We never leave you hanging, and we never tell you what to think. We don't tell you how to think. We just give you facts and trust you to think for yourself and come up with the realities. Often, we haven't been quite convinced that some particular thing that we heard is true or false, but it's important enough for us to bring it to you, but we always, in those cases, give you a disclaimer. We'll tell you, hey, this is out in the marketplace of news. We're investigating it. We have so far been unable to prove it's true or to prove it's false. But we want you to know it's out there. We will continue to research 
And when we get to the bottom of it, yeah, it's good, or no, it's not good, we'll bring those to you at that particular time. That's the way we roll here. And getting facts are the most important things that every Americans, every American needs to understand. You got to find them. You got to get them. You got to dig them out. You got to believe in them and put the crud behind you. That's getting harder and harder to do. And boy, do we have some Biden crud to talk about today. You know, I would love to put the Biden administration in my rearview mirror permanently. And I'm looking forward to the day when we'll be able to, and hopefully we'll get some credibility moving into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And Dr. Jill and Joe Biden, Professor Biden, Attorney Biden, Senator Biden, and of course, President Biden, get him moving to one of his many vacation homes that you and I gave him the ability to go get just because he was in the U.S. Senate and he learned how to cut deals. Well, principally through his son, Hunter, who brokered not Joe's capabilities, not Joe's expertise, not Joe's knowledge, but Joe's political titles, eight years of which he was vice president. And Hunter capitalized financially for Uncle Joe, for the big guy, largely while Joe was in the Obama administration. And everybody likes to take advantage of opportunities. But when you're doing it and the taxpayers are paying for it and you're doing it as you did it is illegal, I don't know about that. There may need to be some accountability hung in that situation. And I hope, I hope that we can get the truth out there for every American to see and digest. I hope that the facts verify what you and I pretty much are certain of, a lot of financial wrongdoing, a lot of lying, and a lot of misusing opportunities, many of which are against federal law. If we can't get this president held accountable for that while he's in office, hopefully when he leaves, he'll leave as the disgraced, most inept, and the doctor that stood on top of the most abused and ill United States of America in our history. I'm pretty sure that Joe's going to go down with that title. Well, not going to get all negative here today. Talked about sometimes winning, sometimes losing, sometimes making good choices, sometimes making bad choices. That, that's very applicable in our relationships. And guys, girls, often that's applicable in relationships with a proposed significant other. Not every relationship works out. Some of them fail. Some of them fail needlessly. But some of them just fail because the two can't reconcile and take care of their differences. Group Chicago, one of my favorite of all time, as is applicable and appropriate now. We do our opening remarks, and then we give you a good song to listen to. This one's a toe-tapper from Chicago.
title of it is A Brand New Love Affair. Listen to the words. It's really not a brand new love affair. It's a second go at a love affair. Wish I knew what was going wrong Seems so very long Since we left together It's no good to be all alone When you've hurt a friend And you both feel empty What I give to erase the pain Will we ever make the break? Is it over or shall we try again? For a brand new love affair both afraid that our love may fade and we just won't make it maybe soon we'll be friends again find ourselves and then really make it happen
me tell you about the thing in that song that just kind of blows me away. That song was written and it was recorded and released in the 70s. Back in the 70s, if a relationship with a significant other didn't work out, very few people said, well, let's try it again. I mean, that was an open door if it fell apart. You just left. You went and found somebody new. You didn't try to redo the one, the relationship you're in that was broken. Kudos to the member of Chicago that wrote that song. Got to be Robert Lamb, the keyboard guy. I think he wrote that song. Nevertheless, there you go, folks. 47 years, 47 years of wedded bliss with my spouse, Marianne. (laughs) And once or twice, we've had a few situations that we just kind of had to push back from the table and look at each other and think for a bit. Is it worth it to work this out, to dive into it, to work through it, push through it, or should we just move on? I don't know if you're listening to the show this morning, Marianne, but I want to say a very heartfelt thank you for seeing the truth and recognizing that all those times you were wrong and I was right and that you hung in there. (laughs) If she heard that, I promise you, she will find a way to excoriate me as quickly as she can. Well, we've got big news coming out this morning besides the fact that Marianne's going to slaughter me. The House, House Democrats, just minutes ago, released six years of Donald Trump's tax returns. we got a lot more to talk about. we got to talk about the xenophobic Donald Trump because remember back when coronavirus was just kicking off? He said he was going to put some restrictions on the Chinese people coming to the United States because it was the China virus. You remember that? Oh, Joe Biden, then candidate. He went absolutely stark, raving, crazy. Called Donald Trump a xenophobe for even thinking about doing that. Well, guess what Joe did? He did just that. We've got that and a whole lot more. Looking forward to the day, the last broadcast day of 2022, and sharing it with you. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic DSSV shocks, so it's just going to be that much more of a fun truck. You want to go a little faster? Go for it. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. 
Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Some would say what I just said to and about Marianne was... Uh, suicidal. I don't know about that, but I I did get a response from her in the form of a text, and you would think that me saying those gracious things, kind and loving things, she would have sent me a text that was full of the heart memes, you know, and the little uh, smiley face that uh, the eyes were little red hearts. Nope. The one she sent said, I am listening, and it included one of the smiley faces, instead of the lovey eyes, the hard eyes, it was spewing green vomit. <laughs> and she said, you are so in trouble. Oh my gosh. Hell hath no fury. <laughs> like a woman scorned. I, I was just, It was just a show, Marianne. It, it, it was innocent. Down to business, the House Ways and Means Committee just released a partially redacted version of Donald Trump's tax return, six months of them. And that completes a long-time objective of Democrats to make Trump's finances public after he unsuccessfully tried to stop them in court. Let me ask you this. I'm not even going to go into it. A couple of things are very obvious. If there was any bad stuff in those things, Uh, illegal acts or any things like that, those would have been resolved a long time ago in court by the IRS. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump doing anything wrong. And to be quite honest with you, everything the Democrats have done through his initial campaign for president, during his four years as president, and his run for re-election— Everything Democrats have blamed or said he was doing wrong, illegal acts, uh, we could we could just take the whole show and just list them to you. He's been bulletproof. None of them stuck. You know why? They weren't true. Now, let me tell you the conundrum that this act by these House Democrats has put every American that ever files a tax return again in trouble. Up until this point, it was illegal for the IRS to allow anybody to look at, even just peruse, the tax return of an American citizen without the written express authorization of the person that belonged to these tax returns. You don't think Donald Trump approved He didn't approve Congress even getting them, but let alone them being released to the public. So what does this mean? means one simple thing. If they can do this to Donald Trump, Democrats made this happen. 
If they can do this to Donald Trump, they can do it to anybody, including you and including me. This is all just a little bitty, I don't even know how to describe it, maybe a blip on a radar screen of all of the evil that this quietly growing monstrous swamp dragon that has a plan to take over the world, at least the world as we know it in the United States of America. This is just one little piece of the pie of taking over and controlling every part of our life. How do you come up with that, Dan? Put that in context. That's just one little blip I said. Look at all of the liberties and freedom that the government has taken from you. Do you know that it's illegal for the CIA, as an example, to do anything that has anything to do with surveilling or looking into any American citizen about any issue in the United States? Conversely, it is illegal for the FBI to do anything regarding American citizens and any alleged incidents outside of the United States. Both of those agencies, we find out, have for years been crossing those lines. And not only have they been in crossing the lines, breaking the law, by surveilling Americans, they are breaking the law. The FBI cannot look at your documents that you text or email without getting a FISA warrant. They have to get expressed approval to be able to do that. We could stay here all day and just go one after another telling you all the things that we're finding out, and many of them we're just finding out in the Biden administration. Thanks in large part to Elon Musk and Twitter files. James Posey just sent a text and said, this is all very well planned. Absolutely. This is not something that just sporadically happened. And don't think for a second, there aren't Democrats today that are pounding their chest and bragging about the fact that they got the IRS in a situation where now any of their political enemies, and that would mean Republicans, any of their political enemies, they can use the IRS as a weapon against their political foes. Don't think it will stop with Donald Trump. It's not going to, folks. This is just the beginning. And it's sad, but this is going to all slide downhill, I guarantee you. Democrats are making sure with their policies, with the things that are on their agenda. Many are planned. They're out in the open, but most of them are surreptitiously kept hidden until they do it. As an example, did you hear that the Biden White House yesterday told Representatives James Comer and Jim Jordan, these are the Republicans that are taking power and leadership over the committees that are going to be investigating the Biden administration. Well, the White House put out yesterday morning at 4 o'clock a little notice, 4 a.m., 
to Jim Jordan and James Comer that they will not comply with House Republicans' outstanding oversight request. Now think about that. The Republican Party, they've made it very clear. They have pummeled the White House with requests for all kinds of documents, all kinds of evidence, testimony that will, we all know, will implicate those in the Biden administration for wrongdoing. Now, this is not part of a witch hunt. They've made it very clear these are part of investigations that are going to kick off by various committees in Congress in the Republican-controlled House of Representatives when they take over January 3rd. And this is all coming from the Oversight Committee, which is the sole committee in the House for performing oversight exercises against the White House and the administration. Nothing's wrong with it. They've already sent them. House Republicans, they're going to investigate the Biden White House for several things, including the ongoing border and fentanyl crisis, the energy crisis, Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan, Hunter Biden's business dealings as they pertain to the federal government and the origins of the coronavirus. Every one of those things are very critical to the American people. We all suspect things, as do the members of this House Oversight Committee, and there are potentially a lot of illegal doings by this administration and all these things that we mentioned and many others. Comer and Jordan sent letters to the White House requesting they provide documents on the Afghanistan withdrawal. And they requested that they do that by December 20th and documents on the origins of coronavirus by December 27th. Ain't going to happen. White House Special Counsel Richard Sauber told Comer and Jordan that the Biden administration doesn't plan to respond to the records request that they have made in recent weeks. Not going to do it. Why? Listen to this. Sauber argued the Republican representatives' records requests were constitutionally illegitimate because the GOP is not yet in control of congressional committees. This is a quote now. Congress has not delegated such oversight authority to individual members of Congress who are not committee chairmen, and the House has not done so under its current rules. Sauber did not rule out complying with future requests made when the GOP takes control over the Oversight Committee in January. Should the committee issue similar or other requests in the 118th Congress, we will review and respond to them in good faith, consistent with the needs and obligations of both branches. We expect the new Congress will undertake its oversight responsibilities in the same spirit of good faith. Targeting parents, Afghanistan, Hunter Business dealings, the American people deserve answers, but the Biden administration is doubling down on playing political games to bury the truth. That is from Representative Barry Moore, a Republican from Alabama. They can delay, but Republicans are committed to giving the American people accountability. 
After Politico published the story about Salber's letter, House Republicans accused the White House of leaking the letter to Politico. You don't think they would leak stuff like that, do you? <laughs> in, a, uh, in a tweet, House Judiciary GOP said, the White House leaked this letter to Politico last night. The White House then gave Politico a briefing on the letter. Did Politico let the White House edit their story too? Uh, this is clearly, no doubt about it, a planned and coordinated effort between the White House and journalists at Politico. Big media, big government are already working together to block legitimate congressional oversight, Jim Jordan tweeted. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of the truth. They have no inkling whatsoever to comply with you guys. And let me just put you on point. If you don't believe anything you ever hear coming out of TNN Live, you believe this. This Democrat Party, they feel like they have been given the power and the authority to unilaterally be the big bully in the neighborhood. And it doesn't matter if what somebody wants them to do or ask them to do is the right thing, the legal thing. That doesn't matter anymore. They're the big bully. Big bullies don't have to abide by the rules. And if somebody wants to disagree with them, get set for a black eye by the big bully. That's what the Biden administration has turned the governing process of the executive branch into. Forget about the laws. Forget about policies that have been followed for generations. Forget about all of those. We're going to do what we want to do, and if it interferes with anything you say it interferes with, even that thing, you know, the Constitution or the law, we don't give a rip. If you don't like it, come get us. It's not the last time you're going to hear me say that. Get set, folks. This is not going to be an easy go, even though the House majority will belong on January 3rd to the Republicans. Democrats are just getting started. I mean, think about the crap that they have put us through. COVID, mismanagement, lying, follow the science. (laughs) There is no science that dictates almost anything and everything they've told us is the science. Anthony Fauci, Mr. Quote, I am the science. They don't care about the facts. If it's politically expedient for them and their causes, that's all that matters. That's all they care about. And they're going to push and push and push until something major happens that opens the eyes of a huge majority of the American people who say, that's enough. We're not going to take it anymore. And that big majority of Americans are willing to do what it takes to make sure that they begin to abide by the law. Every jot and tittle in the law. They don't even care about the law now. Did you know that up in Chi-Town, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Chicago is going to end 2022 with the number of murders for the year at least at 723. 723. 
The Sun-Times reported 723 homicides for the year as of today. Moreover, the Sun-Times observed motor vehicle theft in Chicago was up 95%. Theft was up 50%. Burglary up 10%. Robbery up 10% also. 2021 was the deadliest year Chicago had witnessed in lawbreaking of every kind in a quarter of a century. Chicago police confirmed the city witnessed 797 homicides during the course of 2021. Some city leaders spoke out about all this, the 723 homicides currently on the books for this year. That represents a slight decline over 2021, but come on, folks. When you have 700 people getting slaughtered, not in a country, not in a state, But in a city, how can anybody in Illinois, how can anybody in Chicago accept that? They're quick to note that the city is still in a dangerous place, you think? For example, Susan Less, former deputy mayor for public safety, said this, we should not be patting ourselves on the back when the absolute number of shootings and homicides is so high that people are afraid to do their daily functions. We're still in a crisis. Do you know what Chicago looks like in that regard now? There are third world countries in Central America, South America, in Africa, that don't have this kind of law-breaking allowed by leaders. And this is happening in the United States of America. Think about it. There are neighborhoods zip codes around just Chi-Town, Chicago, where people refuse to get out at night to leave their houses when the sun goes down because they are confident there's going to be law-breaking going on that could impact them and even end up with them being one of those 700-plus murdered victims in 2022 in Chicago because Mayor Lori Lightfoot, her police force, they don't enforce the law. We keep talking about this. Every day we come back to this at some point and we point out all those major cities. You remember if you were here yesterday, we talked about Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, and New York. Those are the leading murder cities in America. What's the commonality there? They defunded their police forces. Now, there's got to be a correlative there. Any thinking human being can draw that. Now, one city jumped up to join that group, and it's not in a big state, nor is it a big city in comparison with those four. Who would that be? New Orleans. New Orleans, Louisiana. My state. You know why? Their per capita murder is the number one in the United States today. New Orleans mayor defunded the police force. You hear anything about this coming out of the Biden White House? Not a peep. Do you remember when Donald Trump, at the uh, middle of his four years as president, you remember when all that stuff started out in Portland? You remember when Minnesota... Minneapolis burned. You remember that? In both cases, Donald Trump picked up the phone personally. 
he called the mayor of Minnesota and, excuse me, the governor of Minnesota, the mayor of Minneapolis. He called the mayor of Portland, Oregon, and the governor of Oregon when both of the cities were burning down and said, look, I'll send National Guard troop in. They both said, don't you dare. You can't do that. Do not even think about sending federal help. We've got this taken care of. Look at the people of Portland. Look at downtown Minneapolis. Look at what happened. And don't even think about Los Angeles and San Francisco and Baltimore and New York and other cities in the nation that thought it was cool. We've got to do away with these evil police. They're taking advantage of our citizens. If you look back at the year, there's a lot of good things that happened, but there are a lot of bad things that happened. And sadly to say, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, we're nowhere near putting it in our rearview mirror. I pointed out to you what uh, Joe Biden had to say when he was running for the presidency, when the coronavirus pandemic hit us all. You remember what happened when President Trump announced that he was going to put some travel restrictions on Chinese residents coming here. Do you remember? I told you on the air back then what it was all about. I, I've got friends in, in uh, Switzerland and in northern Italy. Milan, Italy. It just so happens there is a host. It's been happening this way for decades a host of Chinese residents that can't get good jobs in China. And so technology opened up in Milan, Italy. Now, Milan's not known for technology until all this began. It's one of the fashion capitals, high fashion capitals. But there are hundreds of Italians that fly back and forth from China, direct flights into Milan, Italy to work. Do you remember where the first hotbed of coronavirus was on Earth? I mean, a really big hot one in Milan, Italy. It was in the middle of that, and because of that, Joe Biden said, you know what? Italy's getting in big trouble about this. We don't know for certain what the source of this virus is, but we're pretty certain it has something to do with China. So what we're going to do is we're going to make everybody from China that comes to the U.S., get a test, a COVID test. Oh, Biden went crazy and just slashed and burned against President Trump. We will lead by science. World Health Organization now has officially, officially declared COVID-19 a pandemic. Downplaying it, being overly dismissive, or spreading misinformation is only going to hurt us and further advantage the spread of the disease. But neither should we panic or fall back on xenophobia. Labeling COVID-19 a foreign virus does not displace accountability for the misjudgments that have been taken thus far by the Trump administration. And the judgments that so far, when Biden gave that speech that had been taken by the Trump administration were minuscule. In fact, that travel thing 
regarding China, it took place January 30th. January 30th. Do you remember the first time Anthony Fauci took the White House press room state stage to talk about coronavirus? It was less than two weeks before that. We knew nothing. There was no science that was out there. Oh, there was plenty that could have been out there, but we're finding out more and more about the people that had that information that they chose instead of giving it to citizens of the world for healthcare purposes to hold on to it and to create a concept where we're going to question it. We're just going to keep rolling for a while. We're on top of it, though. We'll give you every bit of information as you need it, but just listen to us. And that wasn't Donald Trump talking. That was the CDC and Anthony Fauci specifically. Joe Biden, he called Donald Trump a xenophobe because of that that ban. And it wasn't really a ban. It was just a uh, travel issue that he put out there specifically for Chinese residents. Why did he do it? Because he looked over, he talked to the leaders in Italy, he saw what was going on there, and there was one thing that just stuck out to everybody. There's all these people coming to Milan, Italy, back and forth every week from China. Hmm. And they're spreading this, apparently, when they come back here from China. One plus one is two, so that would mean two plus one is probably three. I think that's the science. Biden has never led the nation in anything positive. I can't think of one thing that he has done in leading, and it all began with his disleading policies the first day he was in the White House when he just very arrogantly and proudly canceled, terminated the permit, the federal term uh, permit for the Excel pipeline. That was just step number one in the process of attempting to, and I really think what I'm about to say is real. I think he's part of a plan. I don't know who is involved. I don't know who drew up the plan. But every day, it just seems more and more like there's a plan to dumb down America in every sector of our lives for somebody big to take control. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. 
but he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. In a chainsaw. You know, when we start talking about things, negative things that are happening to us, we always default to the one that is the biggest one, maybe the biggest one of the the year, the biggest one of the month, the biggest one of the week or the day. So what's happening to us today is just automatically going to zoom to the top of the list of what are the most important things happening to us today. Now, for me, I didn't travel anywhere for the holidays. We have a close family, and we're all right here in northwest Louisiana and north Texas. We all get together in Shreveport, Louisiana, where uh, Poppy and Nani live. That would be Marianne and I. And everybody comes here, um, and we have great times during the Christmas holidays, the new year. It's just a good time of the year. But a lot of people, millions of Americans, don't have that opportunity. They got to go. That means on the road. I don't ever remember there being a uh, travel situation as nasty as the one that has been happening. It's still happening. And all of the explanations for it. Let me just tell you, this just popped into my memory. My junior year in college, I played keyboard in a Christian band. And we left Christmas Eve No, 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 I'm sorry. Christmas night, we caught flights to Denver to go up into the mountains, and we played for a week in a uh, Christmas retreat uh, at a camp up there. Played seven days, and then we flew home. When we flew home, we we got to the airport in Denver, the old Denver airport, and it was snowed in. Nobody knew it before we got there. We didn't have cell phones then. I know (laughs) there was a time when we didn't have cell phones. The only thing you had was a radio. And in radio, in a car, you know what we were doing? We were musicians. We were always looking for the best tunes, you know. So we weren't listening to the news. We get to Denver Stapleton. That was the name of the old airport. We're snowed in. What are we going to do? The hotels, they were all booked up, we were told, around the hotel. So we just had to pile up and find a a soft place to sit. But looking over, we saw a music icon, Barbara Streisand. And she had a flock of kids. I think she adopted a bunch of kids, but they were all around her. And guess what? They were doing the same thing that we did. They, Even though she was famous, and this was back in the heyday of her singing career, she couldn't do anything either. So we introduced ourselves, spent a few minutes. I just throw that in there to tell you, this has always been something that happens to people. But listen, this didn't happen, at least to the degree that it happened to one airline. It didn't happen to the rest of them. That would be Southwest Airlines. 
Southwest has always been a top tier, especially in the uh, discount airlines. But what in the heck is going on with Southwest? And nobody's giving us any real explanations for this until now. First of all, you know, at least we're going to have fewer cancellations, but people still don't have their bags, for goodness sakes. And it leads me to question the the amount of money that we spent on airlines during the COVID crisis. Total of $64 billion. Uh, Southwest alone got $3.3 billion during the Trump era, and they got $3.8 billion from Biden's rescue plan. Where did all that money go? Well, the bulk of the money that went to Southwest and other airlines for the Paycheck Protection Program actually went to pay the tens of thousands of employees who weren't working to ensure that they would have a job once the shutdown era began. And, of course, that PPP program was put in place due to the dastardly shutdowns that local, state, and federal governments put in place. Those shutdowns should have never happened. So these airlines likely would have gone belly up and bankrupt because of the ineptitude of our federal government in putting in place so many restrictions on those airlines. Well, meanwhile, you have Pete Buttigieg saying he's going to solve everything. I just <laughs> to put things in perspective, I want to play a soundbite from a late show that he was on back in September about how things were going with the airline industry. Roll tape. Do you think this issue will be sorted in time for the holidays. I think it's going to get better by the holidays. We're really pressing the airlines to deliver better service. So the guy who says this is going to be better service and we see what that better service means in reality now says about Southwest that he's going to take action to do what is necessary to make the airline accountable. Uh, what kind of action here again? Here's the guy who said it's all going to be solved by the holidays. What kind of action do you think he's going to take that'll make anything better? Well, this is the same Secretary of Transportation that took weeks of personal leave in the middle of the shipping backlogs that resulted in bare store shelves for months last year. Let's remember that. But what I'm worried about is that this administration, including the Secretary of Transportation, they do not want to let this crisis go to waste. And by that, I mean they're going to end up putting in place a lot of so-called consumer protections that appear to be trying to help us, but will actually drive up the costs of discount tickets, making it less affordable for the middle class to fly. And of course, that's the mm. long-term goal of a lot of those on the radical left. Airlines are big CO2 emitters. And if they can put in place regulations that make it more difficult for us to obtain cheap tickets as middle-class wow. Americans, that long-term, that's going to result in fewer airline miles traveled. And that is exactly what they want. So it's a part of the new green deal is what you're saying. Absolutely. They've made no bones about it. They view the transportation industry, particularly huh. airlines, as big contributors to what they call human-caused climate change. So we need to keep an eye on them. They're going to put in place all these protections, whether it's bag allowances or refunds, uh, if, if you have flight delays. But let's remember, there's always a bigger agenda when it comes to these D.C. bureaucrats. Well, and there's a very simple bigger agenda. Is that they, it's a power grab. They want the federal government to take over uh, operations of airlines industry, right? Well, that's what they've done. And decades ago, the federal government played a much bigger role right. in the airline industry. And uh, the airline industry was deregulated in the 1970s, and we, the consumers, have benefited. You know, our airline prices have only risen at about half the pace as overall inflation, and that's because the industry yes. was deregulated. Well, now that there's this climate change agenda, 
the federal government realizes that if they're going to meet their targets that they've promised in Paris, they're going to have to rein this industry in. And so it's to their advantage to use this crisis as an excuse to put in place all these new provisions that will, in effect, drive down demand because new prices, the price hikes are going to go into effect. You know, I, I don't want to do a history lesson here, but what you mentioned is very interesting because it was a Democratic administration, Jimmy Carter, who deregulated the airlines, the last uh, head of the Civil Aeronautics Board, the CAB, Civil Aer Aeronautics Board, uh, was a guy named Alfred Kahn. He was a Democrat. He was working for a Democrat administration. He essentially deregulated himself out of business, which was to much to his credit. There's a picture of Al Kahn. Uh, he was a great guy. I used to interview him. He's passed away now. But the fact is, is that when CAB went away in the late 1970s, that's when you had the emergence of all these low fare airlines. Before that, uh, I mean, airline travel was just you could only afford to do it like once a year if you were in the middle class. And then all these low fare airlines came into existence, People Express and all the others. And, and it made flight travel very affordable for most of Americans. That might go away if, the, if we have another power grab by the federal government. Well, that's right. We had dozens of new competitors enter the marketplace in the 1970s, and that helped drive down costs. And now when I see the leading members of the United States Senate and Secretary Pete talk about restricting the ability of airlines to charge for baggage allowances or uh, perhaps telling airlines that they can't have these compact seat arrangements, well, look, none of us like flying economy. I fly it a lot. But we have to remember, it's the ability of these airlines to cater to our demands in terms of lower prices that have resulted in in these no-frill airlines. If you eliminate the no-frill airlines in response to what we saw this past week with Southwest, that is simply going to price out the middle class. And you know, high-level business executives or those even more wealthy with private jets, they're still going to be able to right. afford to fly. If their costs go from 300 to 600, they're going to be able to afford it. But for the typical family, let's say you're stuck in D.C. or Philadelphia and you want a weekend getaway to Miami, and right now you can get that flight for $200, you're able to get that flight for $200 because because you're flying no frills. Got a little bit of education in the background of the no frills airlines, how they got started and the role they play. I, uh, I used to do a ton of flying um, in my business when I used to be the guy that got face to face with all the clients around the country. I was gone quite a bit. And that was right at the beginning, I guess, of the no frill airlines, maybe a few years into it. Um, being in Shreveport, Louisiana, we were really not on the radar screen for those airlines. They always started at, you know, big hubs, big cities. They were going to try to do it as inexpensively as they could operate an airline. And so I didn't, I didn't do much flying that way. My options were pretty much limited and, uh, I've always been a big guy, um, sometimes bigger than others, but it's always more comfortable to me to sit at in a first-class seat, and I could handle it. So for years, that's the way I flew. And I had a lot of miles, so much of it was just upgrades from miles. But listen, in this thing going on right here, Pete Buttigieg, I mean, he's the transportation secretary. He was not qualified for the role. Everybody knew it. And then he and his partner, I think he calls his male spouse, I think Pete's the husband and the the other guy is, a, is his wife. And I, I, it, I, I blush when I even say those kinds of things. But they decided to adopt 
And so right after the Biden administration began, Pete booked, he took time off to go get the uh, the baby in line. That happened. It was like six weeks that he did there. And then he's been traveling a lot. He hasn't been doing his job. There are a bunch of people, uh, Democrats, that have soured on him. And he made some uh, uh, commitments regarding the job. Uh, I don't know if you remember it or if you ever watched it. Late night comedian James Corden. Three months ago, Pete was on his show, and Pete told them then, told the world then, that travel would improve by the holiday season. And, of course, that didn't happen, and we all know it. It's not over yet. Now, let me tell you about one thing that really, it, it's it's one thing to, um, uh, to be troubled or you don't plan when you're traveling, you don't have the time to be stuck somewhere. It's just really a problem. But it's another thing to get caught in a situation like that and it be a life-saving problem. One Alaska man said he missed out on a life-saving heart transplant after these thousands of flights were canceled. Harlow at CNN said Patrick Holland was supposed to fly from Alaska to Seattle to get a much-needed heart transplant just weeks after getting on the transplant list. But three of his flights were canceled because of a storm. He couldn't get there in time. They got to the airport for their first flight, scheduled with Alaska Airlines. But when they got there, they found out the flight had been canceled because of weather. An airline employee managed to book another one, but that flight was then diverted to Anchorage for hours. I started to panic and my phone said Anchorage and all my worst fears were overwhelming me, Holland said. Because when you hear that, you're like, there's somebody donating a heart and they don't, I don't imagine they can wait that long because the longer it waits, the longer the tissue decomposes. He said at that point, several other potential flights were canceled as well. At this point, I knew. I told my brother, the next phone call's not going to be good. And just as I was calling the heart transplant coordinator, she was calling me back to tell me they were going to give the heart to somebody else. I can't even imagine getting that phone call. Is that Pete Buttigieg's responsibility? I would say not a direct responsibility, but there's something about leadership and management that everybody that wants to get into it needs to understand. That means always being ready, always having plans in place, not talked about, but implemented in sufficient time to take care of all the details that go along with what you are supposed to be managing. Uh, It's obvious, Mayor Pete, he wasn't in that mode, and he didn't have it done. Is it going to cost Mr. Holland his life? Who knows? It may. And I I know it's it, it's an okay thing, some will say, because that heart went to another transplant recipient. Somebody, they had their life saved. But what about Holland and the fact that he did not get that kidney? He wasn't going down there to bargain for it. He was going down there to have his chest cracked 
and a brand new heart put in. He can't do that now. And some of it has to do with the management lack of responsibility all the way up to the White House, and that would be Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, Transportation Secretary. Is anybody going to say anything about that? Probably not. Probably I'm the only bad guy. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Scum and villainy. Deep state. Oh my gosh. Since this is the last day of, at least the last broadcast day for TNN Live in 2022, we need to look back at this year. And we talked yesterday about 15 of the biggest lies Joe Biden had told in his entire career, many of those in the last year. Later this hour, we're going to go over the um, the top 10 stories, in our opinion, that the legacy media ignored in 2022. I think you'll get into this. Uh, what else do we have to talk about today? Well, I lost my thought. I lost my thought process. (laughs) Does that ever happen to you? It's not supposed to happen to you when you're doing a a two-hour show and it's planned out. you got a bunch of things to talk about. Let's talk about this one thing. I thought last week when Joe Biden got to do his victory lap because he got that $1.7 trillion omnibus bill passed through Congress, 
I thought he was sitting there. I thought he was at the White House, and they would take the bill over there, you know, have a big celebration. After all, it was a $1.7 trillion bill. There's only one problem. Joe didn't hang around for that to happen. He got aboard Airport Air Force One, and he piled in all his family members, and they decided to go to the Bahamas for the New Year festivities. You didn't know it. Joe and Jill, they've got a Caribbean, uh, the Bahama Island vacation home, St. Croix. And that's where they are today. So what are we going to do about this bill? It's got to be signed into law. Well, we'll just fly it. We'll just fly that bill to be signed into law down to St. Crawley. We want to make sure that we get that done. we got to start spending that money. Tulsi Gabbard sitting in at Fox News had a special guest on. They weighed in on that. Joe Biden, he's still on vacation. So he just had that massive spending bill flown to the Virgin Islands on a passenger jet so that he could sign it into law. Now, thousands of Americans are trapped in airports tonight, but somehow this particular jet took off with no problems. The 4,000-page, $1.7 trillion spending bill is now law. Now, Chris Bedford is executive editor at the Common Sense Society. Uh, He joins us now to assess... A uh, bit, bit of a double standard here. My, my first thought, Chris, was why did he leave Washington in the first place knowing that this, his signature was going to be needed very imminently? <laughs> because why not? I mean, why not send a private jet down to St. Croix to bring him the bill to sign it? Why not leave Washington, D.C.? Why care at all about all the people who are stuck in airports? I mean, this entire bill is completely representative of how little D.C. cares about actual American interests, about the American people, about their voters. I mean, if you're a Republican, for example, decided to stay hope, uh, stay home during the November election, what better vindication do you have for that decision than this bill that Mitch McConnell pushed through with Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi at the end? The absolute arrogance and the, 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 where they're actually putting the priorities here. Now, for example, There's over $13 billion in this bill going to fix the Ukrainian energy grid. Now, there's about one-thirteenth or one-tenth that amount or less going to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is a famously corrupt energy grid where a lot of that money is siphoned off. Nothing works and hurricanes hit. It's a disaster. But at least that's part of the United States. Uh, Ukraine is where that money is going instead. There are so many pet projects. There's over $80 million going to save the grouse, which is a a beautiful bird that's being destroyed right now. Their habitat's being destroyed by windmills and solar panels, which get billions and billions and billions of dollars in their own profit. So at that point, when there's so little caring, when after an election, D.C. politicians are so arrogant, I mean, you might as well just put that 4,000-page bill onto a private jet, fly it down to St. Croix, and sign it while you're on vacation. Yeah, Chris, so there's so too many examples of, of you know, the, the pork, the special projects, the fluff that was shoved into that bill. But I think one of the most egregious ones that I saw has to do with the crisis that's happening at the border, where they allotted money to go towards Customs and Border Protection, but they went out of their way to put language in that bill that says you're not actually allowed to use any of this money towards technologies and capabilities that will actually help secure the border, which is just, I mean, it is so offensive and wrong on on so many levels. Thank you so much for bringing some sense to this insane situation, Chris. I appreciate it.
I don't know if you can make sense of any kind of response or reply or explanation for it. I don't think making sense is even on the list of important things for anything that is done by this administration. It doesn't have to make sense. The only thing that matters is if that if that's what they want, that's what they want to do, or if it's something they don't want to do, they'll do it or not do it based upon how they feel at the moment. How arrogant for Joe Biden, knowing that he had conned the American people's representatives into a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, most of which is wasted. Think about that. And then I thought that would be arrogant enough, but he just did a victory lap, jumped on the plane that you and I own and that he is taking advantage of and taking advantage of us when he does it so often and takes his posse with him and they head down to the Virgin Islands to St. Croix to go to one of their beach homes. They have four. Dr. Jill and Joe have four beach homes. How could they afford those? Well, it's because they've been wise with their investments. They make so money, so much money. I mean, for their careers, they've just made bazillions and great investments or whatever. She's a school teacher. He had a salary of $170,000 for all of his years, not even all of his years. When he started as a senator, he was the youngest senator in U.S. history. They were making less than a hundred grand a year then. They haven't made big money. Where's all the money coming from? That's the thing that needs to be discussed and looked into. Nobody's done it so far. That is the atrocity. How many others like Joe and Joe Biden are there? I can name a bunch of them. The one that just immediately pops in my head is Nancy and Paul Pelosi. They're bazillionaires. They weren't before Nancy became a member of Congress, but when she started looking into deals that were being proposed that might come to fruition, they found the way to just take advantage of it. Oh, they would get insider trading information and ad nauseum, they were making deal after. It was so bad early in her career that Congress passed a rule. The House passed a rule. It is so infamous, they named it the Pelosi rule to make any member of Congress that did that would be punished for doing it. Obviously, it didn't work. So much graft, so much corruption and so little accountability there. we got to move on today. I don't know about you, but this holiday season, you know, we've got family events going on, dinners, lunches, all those kinds of things. Have you done any grocery shopping lately? I know you have. Grocery prices are through the roof. I keep waiting for them to come down. What about you? I mean, it's got to at one point. I mean, we've seen gas prices come down a little bit. Surely grocery prices have to come down too, don't they? November food prices 
showed a 10.6% increase over last year. And because of things like drought, supply chain shortages, overall inflation next year, you could see these prices pop even more. It's getting expensive to go grocery shopping. Good time to bring in Stephanie Nash. She's a dairy farmer in Tennessee. She joins us now. Stephanie, uh, good morning to you. Do you see food prices going down anytime soon? No, we're not going to see any change in the U.S. market for food prices for Americans. You know, we imported 57 more percent from Brazil for beef, 12 more percent in Mexico. I'm telling the government and our politicians and our leaders, what are you doing? What are you doing with American grown? How are you supporting our family farmers and ranchers? And how are you supporting Americans at the grocery store? They're paying anywhere from 10 to 18 percent more for products. And we need to fix that. We need to fix the way American runs and how we support our family farmers and ranchers. You know, for people who don't understand how farming works, they're probably thinking, well, farmers are getting such high prices for their goods, they must be making out like bandits. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I guess, we're not getting communication to the public, right? You know, you have JBS, Cargill, Tyson. They're making marginal record profits this year off family farmers and ranchers while we see Texas beef selling record numbers because they have no water. And you're seeing California dairy farms sell off because they can't afford feed. And it's just crazy. I think the USDA needs to do a better job of implementing programs to feed Americans, to support American grown, and just be stronger. You know, you look at the markets, you look at imports and exports. Uh, We continue to support other countries and we're not even supporting the American people. You talk about shortages, a real possibility next year. How bad could it be? You look at Ukraine, you look at Russia, you look at what's going on in the Netherlands. I think there's going to be a lot of food shortages next year. You know, Americans go to the grocery store with Mm. confidence. They can get the food that they need. And I think we take for granted what farmers and ranchers do around this country. We take for granted the products that we produce, the products that we produce here in America. And we need to rely on that. We need to protect our rural communities and look for a future that is stronger in our food security. Well, Stephanie, you're certainly putting out the message and your uh, message is very strong. We understand. We wish you the best of luck. A difficult time, even when things are great. It's difficult to be a farmer, but it's especially difficult right now. Stephanie Nash uh, in Tennessee, just south of Nashville, I believe. Beautiful part of the country. Stephanie, thank you very much. Stephanie Nash, that's a dairy farmer you just heard from. She had something to say in the middle of that that just has stuck in my crawl. She said the USDA has got to do a better job. Now, I don't have a problem with any agency in the federal government doing a better job. But here's what I think the horror show that is developing before our very eyes is structured on. There's not a single bureaucracy in the federal government that is doing the job that they should be doing, that they could be doing, that they should be doing, that they could be doing. Not a single one. Name me one. I mean, we could go down a laundry list of them. There are hundreds of agencies in the federal government. And you know what the number one thing for every agency, the requirement for every agency in the federal government bureaucracy is? 
maintain control of yourself and what you do. Do as little as you have to to advance and get more than you possibly should be authorized to get. Those are the requirements of everybody in these bureaucracies. Yeah, like, let's talk for a second about the FBI. You remember when the Russia collusion story was going on, and every few weeks, another little uh-oh would come out about the FBI and the wrongdoing that they did. What did every news commentator, when they were talking about these new little tidbits of wrongdoing were being exposed by the FBI, what was their disclaimer before they ever said one thing about the specific instance. I know that there are good people at the FBI, but I got to be honest with you. I did the same thing here at TNN Live. I did it in our writing about the wrongdoing by many in the FBI. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to tell you this. The sixth floor at the J. Edgar Hoover Building in Washington, D.C., it needs to be just totally abandoned. It needs to be locked down, and everybody in it just removed, removed from their positions, kicked out of the FBI, kicked out of the government. Why is that? Those are the people that make all of the policies, that make all of the decisions. Chris Ray, FBI director, and all of the ones that we saw throughout the Russia collusion story, that were being interviewed before Congress, all of those people work on the sixth floor of the Edgar, the J. Edgar Hoover building. That's the leadership in the FBI. But guess what? All of that evil, all of that more and more and constant and never stopping, finding ways to shortcut regulations and just flatly ignoring the rules and regulations and the laws, that permeates any agency. If you can get away with evil, it's just like cancer. I mean, you can identify it, you can find it, you can see what it causes, and if you don't do anything to get rid of the cancer, it's going to spread and continue to spread, and it will infect every other part of that body. The body we're talking about here is the federal government. And it's not the sixth floor. It's the seventh floor of the Hoover building. Sorry about that. I left one one floor off. If you don't take care of it, if you don't weed it out, it's going to infect the whole body. And eventually, the the whole body, none of the body's going to work. It's going to all be infected with this disease, I think that's the bureaucracy that we're dealing with in Washington, D.C. right now, today. I really do. And I don't think we're going to get rid of it until there is a massive coordinated effort to do anything and everything that's necessary to get rid of it. I'll give you an example. A new president comes in, 2024 elected, takes office in 2025 in January. That president that comes in when campaigning, I'm going to 
I'm going to remove the heads of many of the government agencies when when I uh, am inaugurated January 20th. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And when they get there, they don't do it. There are a lot of reasons why they don't do it. In many cases, they can't do it because of their hands being tied because of who's in Congress, what can and can't be done unilaterally by executive action, those kind of things. But they don't do it. Or maybe they start removing little pieces of the cancer, but they don't root it all out. We know what's going to happen. We're living in it right now. We have no idea today how much evil there is in our 17 different intelligence agencies. Those are the ones we know about. We don't even know how many there really are. We have no idea what's going on in our government. There is no transparency. Joe Biden, just like every other president, when they're campaigning, I'm going to be more visible. I'm going to expose everything good and bad that's going on from top to bottom in this government. And then they never do it. They never do it. What would happen if somebody came out to campaign against Joe Biden in 2024 election? That's just around the corner. And the number one thing they said they were going to do, I am going to expose everything that's going on in every agency of the federal government. Not only am I going to launch massive investigations to dig it out, we are going to expose it, every bit of it. Do you think that would ever happen? Now, call me negative, and if you know me personally, you know I'm not a negative person, but call me negative if you want to. First of all, I don't think that would ever be promised. Why? Because it's an impossible task. Think about the pushback that person would receive. And when I say pushback, I'm talking about all the way up to certain and impending death. The machine in Washington, D.C. is so big, it's so powerful, and it's so evil. It will never allow one person to kill it. Never. We saw that with Donald Trump. They are still today... Today, they released, they released six years of his tax returns, which they're doing it is illegal. It's against federal law. He didn't authorize those to be released. And you can say, oh, a court said it was okay. No, 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 no. A court cannot unilaterally issue an order that violates the law. I got to be honest with you, I think the Trump folks just got tired of it. They didn't want to go all the way to Supreme Court with this latest thing, and they said, fine. We were audited. They were audited every year. He was been in business. There was no wrongdoing found, even though I don't like the idea that private citizens, the government is going to put and publish their tax returns out for the general public to look into. I don't like that. It's going to create a precedent that is going to mean the IRS will be able to do that in the future. If they could do it to a former president, they could do it to any American. That's the world in which we live. George Orwell, 
He called it Big Brother. You call it whatever you want to. It's the federal government. They're supposed to work for us. That's way, 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 way back at the back of the line in your rearview mirror. They don't work for us. We're plebes, and they control us unilaterally. They like it that way. That's the way it's always going to be. I think unless we find a way, unless we find a way to get into that, I think it's always going to be that way. We're going to take our final break of the day. When we come back, we're going to get into those 15 things that I told you about, bad things that weren't done, weren't taken care of in 2022. Um, And also, before the end of the show today, you've heard of ESG, ESG, Environment, Social, and Government. Those are the words that those letters stand for. That is the policy that everybody that's woke, every corporation, every individual, they're going to and demanding that be included in the structure of whatever the institution is or the agency that they're looking at. We've got to include ESG. In fact, it's got to be the fundamental principles on which we do anything and everything that we do in planning and implementing our operations as we move forward. And it really has gotten out of hand. We're going to explain what it is and how it's not working. He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Before we get into that laundry list of things that uh, were misrepresented, not done back in 2022, a couple of other things I want to touch base on. You know, Republicans got elected and uh, they have a very slim majority in the House of Representatives. That means they get to supposedly choose who's going to be the Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy, long time longtime Republican from California, and he currently is a minority leader. Uh, He's the odds-on favorite, but there are five Republicans in the House that they say they're not going to support Kevin McCarthy. Could be a problem. Andy Biggs, Republican from Arizona, he said yesterday he does not see any scenario in which he will support House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy for speaker. So the host of the show said, Congressman, there is a speaker race coming up in less than a week. Who's going to be speaker? And Big said, we'll have to have that vote on January 3rd. Right now, 
Nobody has 218 votes, which is the magic number to become speaker. I don't know that we're going to see that until January 3rd. Maybe it will take a few ballots to shake that out. And he added, there are several people that are very capable of being Speaker of the House. I think we will get a consensus candidate and we'll get it in fairly short order and move on. The host asked, is there any scenario that you would ever vote for Leader McCarthy on any ballot, any scenario where he gets your vote? Big said, I don't think so. And here's why. He's got a body of work. You go back to 17 and 18. That's 2017 and 2018. Look at the why we had Democrats voting for the Republican budgets. Because the Republicans didn't want those budgets, but the floor leader, Mr. McCarthy, cut those deals with the Democrats. President Trump signed those budgets, but he said they were the worst budgets ever, and he was probably right until the later budgets that we've seen from the Democrats. So if you think through how the process works, obviously it takes 218 to get a uh, to get a majority sufficient to decide who the House Speaker is going to be. And if you have five dissenting votes, you're looking at trouble. So I reached out and talked to... Um, our buddy, our congressman member, Mike Johnson, and uh, he kind of filled in the blanks for me. As of today, Kevin does not have the 218 votes. So here's what happens. If he fails to reach 218 on multiple ballots, then Steve Scalise, who is the minority whip now, he's from New Orleans, a friend of mine, a friend of this show, he will be nominated next. If he can't get to 218, Most people expect that Mike Johnson, our congressman from here in northwest Louisiana, is going to be nominated next. Nobody knows what's going to happen on January 3rd. But according to Congressman Johnson, it's 100% certainty the next speaker would be a Republican. Here's why he uh, answered that, that last part for me. There is a scenario in which if, if they don't get, Republicans don't get, somebody nominated for speaker that can draw those 218. Remember, every member of the House is voting for this speaker position. It's not just Republicans that vote to see who's going to be the House speaker. The House votes, so that's 435 people. It is conceivable in some scenario, and Mike Johnson dispelled that pretty much by uh, making me feel better about it. There is a scenario, however, where even with a majority Republican House, it could end up having a Democrat Speaker of the House. Oh, my God. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that might look like? I just can't. I'm going to leave that real quickly, and I'm going to go, we're going to talk about the top 10 stories that the mainstream media ignored in this past year. None of these will surprise you. Number one, the media ignore election denier Hakeem Jeffries' assault on democracy. In November, there were 10 establishment media outlets, including Fox News, that did not seem to care that Representative 
Hakeem Jeffries, a Democrat from New York, who became the House Democrat minority leader, he is an election denier himself, following the midterms during which many media outlets constantly pointed to particular Republican candidates in calling them election deniers, they failed to hold Democrat Jeffries to the same standard. He has attacked democracy using their definition of the term democracy by denying the legitimacy of American elections more than 100 times. Now remember, he's the minority leader now in the House of Representatives. Number two, Media have ignored Twitter file drops that expose the FBI intel community collusion with Twitter and other platforms, by the way. In December, the media ignored the seventh Twitter file released that exposed in detail the FBI and other intelligence community agencies' role in censoring the laptop from hell. The story first reported... uh, by uh, the Washington Post. The Post, not the Post. Yeah, the New York Post. The Washington Post, New York Times, Politico, Politico Punchbowl News, and the Los Angeles Times each ignored that the FBI and intelligence community discredited factual information about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings both after and before the New York Post revealed the contents of the laptop October 14th, 2020. Number three, media ignored John Durham investigation, Hillary Clinton's operatives alleged spying on Trump. In February, the media ignored news from the Durham investigation that alleged Hillary's campaign operatives spied on Trump's 2016 campaign and subsequent presidency. After those revelations of Clinton's alleged shenanigans broke, The New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, CBS News, NBC News, ABC News all ignored one of the largest political scandals of the past decade at least. Rasmussen reports noted the Associated Press, New York Times, Washington Post, and Wall Street Journal continued to ignore the scandal for more than 48 hours after it broke. The publications instead they decided to direct readers' attention to the Super Bowl and the Olympics in communist China. Number four, media ignore Biden's involvement with Theranos. In January, the media ignored Biden's involvement with Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of Theranos, when he was vice president. The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Washington Post ran headlines on home pages about Holmes' conviction of fraud, without referencing the stories of Joe Biden's involvement. Now, even though Biden praised Holmes in 2015 for maintaining the highest standards and developing lower-cost blood lab tests with only a prick of blood, the media ignored Biden's praises for Holmes, who was found guilty of four charges of fraud, and she built, built hundreds of millions of dollars away from investors. Number five, media ignored it was wrong about Hunter's laptop being Russian disinformation. I'm not even going to go there. Everybody ignored that. In fact, there are still some that just refuse to talk about it. Number six, media ignore physical attack 
on Republican candidate General Don Boldock. In November, the media ignored the physical attack against Republican New Hampshire candidate for U.S. Senate, Janitor Don Bolduck. The three top newspapers, the New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times, they failed to recognize the attack on General Bolduck that occurred moments before a key debate with Democrat Senator Maggie Hassan. Number seven, media ignored alleged payouts to the Biden family detailed in Hunter's text. Again, it goes on and on and on. Media reported that Hunter got $4.8 million in payments from one Chinese energy company, but it failed to mention the payout mechanism by which the family likely profited from peddling influence. Hunter's text seemed to indicate Joe got 50% of his son's salary for a 30-year period. The texts do not indicate when the 30 years began or ended and whether Joe is still part of the payment scheme as president. Number eight, CNN fails to admit Hunter's laptop is authentic until 532 days after the initial report. Everybody else knew it. In March, CNN finally admitted the laptop from hell was authentic after the initial story broke on October 24th of 2020, which the network falsely claimed at the time was Russian disinformation, and it was all made up. CNN only admitted Hunter's laptop was authentic after the New York Times verified it two weeks prior. It took the Times nearly two years to acknowledge what was authenticated in 2020. Notably, CNN's former president, Jeff Zucker, labeled Hunter's laptop story a rabbit hole and unworthy of coverage. Number nine, little Brian Stelter. (laughs) That's what Trump called Brian Stelter at CNN, formerly at CNN. Stelter spent exactly zero seconds rectifying the media's false claims that that laptop, Hunter's laptop, emails were Russian disinformation. In March, Brian Stelter spent zero seconds on his show, Reliable Sources. Reliable Sources, the name of his show. There's no conflict there, right? He was discussing the New York Times admission that the New York Post October 2020 reporting on Hunter's laptop was accurate after all. He also refused to acknowledge his false claims that Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation. After the New York Times admitted this, that it was authentic, instead of disclosing his role in spreading misinformation, Stelter totally ignored his own claims on CNN and spoke zero seconds about his role in pushing the false Russian disinformation narrative. Before I give you number 10, let me just say that. Look, I understand when people in the media business and the news business don't get something right. They're flooded with so much information coming in from so many different sources. It's inevitable. It's going to happen every now and then. But where many miss the mark and they destroy their credibility when they do it is when it comes out they were wrong, that they made mistakes, they don't immediately on air admit it. In fact, in Brian Stelter's case, he to this day 
has not admitted. And finally, number 10, media ignore the FBI's handling of the Biden family business whistleblower intelligence. In September, the media ignored revelations the FBI warned Facebook of the imminent dump of Russian propaganda before the story of Hunter's laptop broke during the election in 2020. While the FBI was communicating with Facebook, the FBI's leadership blocked agents from investigating Hunter's laptop until after the 2020 election was decided. This comes from qualified, verified Senate whistleblowers. Not everyone ignored the story. CNN reporter Sarah Sidna tweeted that questions surrounding the Biden family business scheme are serious, legitimate, and nonpartisan. Top 10. Media missed a bunch this past year, but those, according to Breitbart News, were the top 10 events, things, horrible things, bad things, whatever you want to call it, that the media just decided, eh, we're not going to talk about it. Guess who's back in town? Benjamin Netanyahu was sworn in yesterday for the sixth time as Israel's prime minister. His predecessor, Yair Lapid, flouted the traditional handshake that occurs at the change of power and exited the Neset plenum early. Didn't want to shake Netanyahu's hand. In his address to the Neset on Thursday, Netanyahu outlined three priorities for his government, which Israel's most conservative today. The first was to thwart Iran's efforts to obtain nuclear weapons. The second priority, to develop the country's infrastructure with an emphasis on connecting the peripheral areas to the center of the country with a high-speed train. And the third was to expand the circle of peace with Arab nations in order to end the Israeli-Arab conflict. Netanyahu also blasted Lapid for eulogizing the end of democracy. Members of the opposition losing the elections is not the end of democracy. It is the essence of democracy, Netanyahu said. A democratic regime is tested, first of all, by the willingness of the losing side to accept the majority's decision. Now, Netanyahu was frequently interrupted by catcalls during the speech. Outside, hundreds of left-wing protesters were carrying Israeli flags, some carrying LGBTQ rainbow flags, and were shouting slogans through megaphones. Netanyahu has come under fire for forming a government with the anti-gay Noam party. Still, Amir Ohana, an MK from Netanyahu's own Likud party, was sworn in as Israel's first-ever openly gay speaker of the Knesset on Thursday. In a democracy, you don't climb the Capitol fences, and you don't climb the Knesset fences either, Netanyahu said in his speech. This is the sixth time that I present a government under my leadership. I'm as overwhelmed as the first time. I want to take this opportunity to thank my dear and beloved family, my wife Sarah, who is here today and is always by my side, my son Yair, and Abner, who always stand by me. 
After Netanyahu's speech, Lapid tweeted, with great unease, we are handing the country over to the elected government. We pass on to you a state in excellent condition with a strong economy, with improved security capabilities, with our international status at the highest it has ever been. Try not to destroy it. We'll be right back. I have a lot of respect for Benjamin Netanyahu, and many of you know you heard that um, I'm going to be in Israel the last 10 days of February. It's coming up pretty quick. TNN Live is going on the road. We're going international. We'll be doing the show every day live from Israel. I've got a close friend that owns the largest, actually not the largest, the only Christian television broadcast station in Israel. And he's got a strong personal relationship with Benjamin Netanyahu. We are working now on coming up with a way that we can interview the prime minister while we're over there. Don't know if it'll work out. It'll be according to his time schedule. Obviously, my time schedule will work it around whatever he says in the hopes that we can have 30 minutes or so with the new prime minister. Well, not new. Six time he's been the prime minister of Israel. That's kind of amazing. Obviously, that speaks about the uh, Israeli people's confidence in Netanyahu to lead them again. Now, let me, let me just mention something. We haven't even talked about our southern border. We did talk just a little bit about Joe Biden's policy that he put up that requires every person coming into the United States from China provide a negative COVID test before they can enter the nation. And we talked about his uh, arrogance in the past when he was referencing Trump's initial China uh, immigration issues. wasn't immigration, but at the very beginning of COVID, he was concerned, Trump was, about people coming in from China because a lot of Chinese people were getting COVID-19 and were already spreading it to other countries. We talked about this earlier in the show, specifically to Italy. That, of course, was xenophobic, according to Joe Biden, for Donald Trump to do it. By the way, Biden later reversed that and said maybe Trump should have put that Chinese uh, restriction up even earlier than he did. He would never say he was wrong. Nobody's talking about what we have announced several weeks ago, that more and more our Border Patrol agents at the southern border are seeing Chinese immigrants that are coming to the nation. They are joining the global rush into our nation as Joe Biden's deputies widen legal loopholes in the southern border. The route for China's migrants goes through Ecuador into South America. Then the migrants take buses, taxis, and boats to reach the deadly Darien Gap jungle trail in Panama, where the United Nations helps them travel further north towards Costa Rica, Mexico, and the United States. Now, this comes from Radio Free Asia. They're spreading the news, in other words. Here's an article. I'm going to quote the article. 
1,028 Chinese citizens entered Colombia from Ecuador through unofficial channels between January and November of 2022, 458 of whom did so in November alone. Nearly all of them passed through Nukokli, the jumping-off point for the notorious Darien Gap, people smuggling route, through the jungle from Panama to Colombia in a bid to cross eventually into the United States. According to two shipping companies that ship travelers to the trailhead in Panama, 122 122 Chinese people have bought tickets just during the past week. A pipeline of 122 people per week adds up to 6,300 a year if the flow somehow stops growing. The arrival of more of, of these people coming from China It reflects the growing global awareness that Biden is dangling the hope of U.S. jobs, homes, and lives to ambitious young people everywhere, whatever the huge economic and civic damage to ordinary Americans. For example, the number of Indian migrants detained at the border rose from 20,000 in 2020 up to 64,000 this year. The Filipino inflow rose from 46,000 in 2019 up to 55,000 this year. So far this year, Biden's border officials admitted 114,000 people from just those two countries, regardless of the Title 42 barrier or Section 212, Section F in federal laws that allow the president to exclude any alien. But Biden's open invitation is also drawing more migrants from every corner of the world as poor people scramble to grab their slice of the pie of America before U.S. citizens can restore their borders with a new president. The 2.4 million Border Patrol encounters with migrants in the 2022 fiscal year represented a record high. There was a nearly 2,000% increase in the number of Colombians during that period compared with the previous year, Indians up by 607%, Cubans by 471%, Russians by 430%, and Nicaraguans up 227%. Overall, Biden accepted almost as many illegal, legal, and temporary migrants as there were U.S. births in 2022, and he, by the way, has deported fewer than 100,000 migrants. Now, once again, what do you think that's all about? Why would anybody, especially a sitting president of the United States, do what Biden is doing regarding illegals? It's not illegal immigration. It's alien invasion. The federal law regarding legal immigration, it calls every person that comes into the United States illegally, it terms them an illegal alien, not an immigrant. An immigrant by the name of the word is somebody who wants to immigrate to a country through their legal process. Biden's torn up that law. He doesn't give a rip about it. 
I don't hear a single Democrat standing up and hollering at Mr. Biden. Mr. President, Mr. President, why do you continue to not enforce the federal laws regarding immigration? Why do you not enforce any law that you swore an oath that you were going to honor? Nobody's questioned him on that. And still, he keeps doing it. Not only that, he keeps getting people that work for him to do it. And just basically to open up the borders. Oh, but the border is safe and secure. They've told us that earlier this week. When everybody, not just in the United States, but everybody on this planet knows our border is wide open. There is no governing at the southern border. There's no enforcement of federal immigration laws at all. I told you we were going to I told you we were going to explain this ESG policy. Let me see if we've got enough time to do it. We may run over a little bit of the show, but I think it's important for you to do it. ESG. You've probably heard it. Here's what it really means, and here's how deadly it is. Joining me now to talk about what the new Congress is planning to uh, do to address these woke ESG policies is the great Arkansas congressman, the wonderful French Hill. He serves on the most powerful committee uh, in Congress, the House Financial Services Committee. French, good to see you. So what is the Congress going to do? You're going to take control on January 3rd. This is a huge issue that I know is burning for a lot of House members and especially on financial services. What are you guys going to do to push back on this this ESG phenomenon that's taken over investing in America? Sean, great to be with you. It's such an important question, and Attorney General Moody uh, is on the front lines in the states. Many states are taking this on because when you have this kind of woke ESG mentality in pension fund management, who's hurt? State retirees, state teachers are the ones who are hurt by this approach. What we're doing in House Republicans and House senators working together is we're pushing back on the SEC. We've reminded Chair Gensler that it's the Securities and Exchange Commission to protect investors and promote efficient markets. It's not the Securities and Environment Commission. We want him to make sure he follows the law and that he does not impose new mandates on environmental standards on our public companies. This will constrain capital, hurt jobs, hurt U.S. growth, and make us less competitive. You know, do do you think on the oversight front, I mean, I I do agree with you. Gary Gensler has been absolutely absent here and actually supports these policies. But I think it's important to bring in CEOs, um, whether it's a CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, or, or others, to say, you know what, I, I want you to, to address the American people in the Congress to talk about these policies and how they are so beneficial to the American people. And there, you can then point out how damaging these are for the return on investments for the American people. I think it is important for corporate America to speak up here and speak out because, Sean, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people don't even know what we're talking about. Environmental, social governance, ESG. The average American doesn't even know what that is. But if I told you it was going to reallocate capital and make your gasoline and fuel for your home more expensive, make food more expensive, and impose mandates, not that Congress wants, but that woke uh, money managers in New York Uh, combined with the Biden regulators want, you'd get the point. So we believe that we'd have to have an all-front war 
pushing back against the Department of Labor that sets up rules on how pension funds are managed. We want them to look at economic interest, as the attorney general just talked about. And we want to push back on the SEC and bank regulators that are going to try to uh, not allocate capital to all legal businesses. But you're right. Uh, CEOs need to speak up because they know this is wrong. They're being disadvantaged and their company's strategies are being disadvantaged. And they need to carry that message to the institutional investors like BlackRock in New York, as well as to the regulatory community. You know, French, I think I, a lot of Americans sit back and go, what happened to corporate America? They've become so woke over the course of the last five and, uh, and 10 years. And, and I think the answer is this ESG movement where you have money managers that take a, a, a conservative family's money and use that money to, to push policies on corporate America through your investment dollars. And that's why you're seeing this turn hard turn to the left is because trillions of dollars are being used, not just of liberal money, but of conservative money too, and getting these companies to change how they do business. Maybe case in point is Disney. Well, Disney uh, may be a good example. I think that was certainly brought to light uh, in the state of Florida action. But look at the vast majority of companies. Look at Google. Look at Apple. These are two widely held stocks. They may be perceived as, quote, liberal companies by some. But they and their proxies push back against these woke uh, proposals, saying vote no. And yet at the same time, they're not saying that to BlackRock and other institutional investors. So I see hypocrisy here on the hands of uh, some in corporate America. And that's why I urge all CEOs to speak up for common sense and let's get back to rational economic policy for running our businesses and for making investment decisions. Just more important for all of us to know where our retirement funds are invested, where our private investments are invested, and know who's driving the boat in the determination of where that money is going. We don't need to be involved. We don't need to be personally involved in ESG. Anybody that's doing those policies, those woke policies, environment, social, and government, and those are the three reasons why they're investing your money, oh my gosh, you're going to lose your butt. That's all I'm saying. Get away from wokeness, everybody. That needs to be your 2023 goal and objective. And stay away from it in every area of your life. Hey, I want to thank you for not only allowing us, but being a part of Truth News Network, TNN Live, all during 2022. I'm excited you're still here. That means we must be doing something right. And we're going to continue right along the way. Thank you so much for joining us, for being with us every day. And we're going to end this year at TNN Live, not with a New Year's song or Old Lang Syne and anything like that. This is going to be a fun song. You're going to tap your feet. Sing along. Can't stop the feeling. You guys have a great weekend. Be safe, New Year's. Now, you can start dancing right now. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. All from my city, all from my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that.
sunshine in my pocket Got that good soul in my feet I feel that hot blood in my body When it drops, ooh I can't take my eyes off of it Moving so phenomenally Come on, lock the way we rock it So don't stop Phenomenal 